Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... promise means that a follower of Jesus will be protected and watched over, strengthened for the battle by the Holy Spirit himself. And this is an amazing claim because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit coming upon people was reserved for the elders and the leaders and the prophets and the Bible writers and special people. And then we were told there would be this mystical figure, this Messiah who would come, who we would be on him in a special way. And now we're told he will actually come on you. We learn from the scriptures that the Holy Spirit is God's presence interacting with people on earth. In the first books of the Bible, we only read about the Holy Spirit being involved in the lives of the most God-fearing people, such as those actually writing the Bible. After Jesus came to earth, died on the cross and rose from the dead, he went back to heaven sending the Holy Spirit back to earth. Now, Pastor Jim shares with us today that everyone has access to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, even in the most difficult of times. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with part two of his message entitled, Enduring Trials. This is where the true Christian faith seems really odd, that you're going to have troubles, that God is going to use those troubles to purify you, and he tells you to rejoice. Now, obviously, if you can tell by what I just said, before I was a follower of Jesus, if I had troubles or I had problems, there was lots of things I did to forget them. Like I had a list of different things that I would do depending upon supply and demand, if you know what I mean. The last thing I would do if I had troubles was rejoice. It wasn't on the bottom of the list. It wasn't even on the list. So let's think about what he's saying here by thinking about what he's not saying, because if you're like, I got problems, but I'm not rejoicing. He's not saying be happy for all the bad stuff that has happened. He's not saying be happy for all the bad stuff that may be happening to you right now. He says rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. Don't be overly sad about it Understand that in your suffering for being a Christian, there is some connection between you and Jesus. You are in a sense getting a taste of his suffering and he, because he suffered, people say, well, why would, why would God let all the suffering happen? And I don't know the answer to that fully. I know a theological answer, not worth much when you're talking to people of suffering, but I can tell you this, he cares. He cares because he came in to suffer with us And so he's telling us that suffering for being a Christian or suffering and being faithful as a Christian shows that you belong to Jesus. You don't quit. You stay at it. Even though it's not going well. And Peter says that's part of the process that God is using to show you that you really belong to Jesus. And he says, and for that, you rejoice, not for the problems, but you rejoice that God's work of grace is upon you in the fact that you are staying with the faith in the midst of so many things going wrong. The apostle Paul agrees, Roman eight seventeen. he says, 
And if children, then heirs, meaning inheritors, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What's he saying? He's saying, look, track the projection of Jesus's life. Jesus was born. Jesus suffered. In fact, the Bible says that he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. The ridicule, the people making fun of him, the difficulties, the time when he had to tell the truth, when it would be easier to lie and have to say, Lord, Lord, what do, what do you want me to do here? Heavenly Father, what, do you, what should I do? He learned obedience from the things that he suffered and then he died and then he went to glory. And both apostles are saying, that's the same thing for a Christian. That we are gonna suffer and we're gonna learn to be conformed into the image of Christ, the Bible says. We're gonna start to become more like Jesus. Then we're gonna die and then we're going to go to glory. And joyful suffering is uniquely Christian in the sense that we are on the path to glory with Jesus. But again, let's be honest. He is not saying that rejoicing will make all the pain go away. Some of you are going through some really deep waters and the Lord is saying rejoice. Praise my name. Put your trust in me. But he honors your suffering so much that he doesn't say it's gonna make all the pain go away. Sometimes people ask me questions, you know, when I'm out meeting people and I had one of a conversation yesterday at the wedding I was at and I said, you know, I appreciate your question, but, but you have to understand that, that we need a long time to talk about that because I wouldn't dishonor your question by some quick, trite, cheesy answer because my Lord is not like that. He's saying it's about sharing something in common with Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. It's about being made ready for the future glory in heaven. Now again, today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, or and what I mean by that is you're not a real follower of Jesus. You've never put your trust in him. Or maybe you'd say, I am a Christian, but you know what? I am just getting creamed by suffering and difficulty and trouble. I am not rejoicing in the trials of my life. Do you understand that's a wonderful grace too? Do you understand that, that, that God uses trials to get all of us to ponder life? To get all of us to ponder him? To help us to see how broken this world is and why it was so necessary for him to come. You know, I find to try and talk to people these days about Jesus, it's getting a little bit harder for sure. But when you want to talk to people about how broken this world is, and how dysfunctional this world is, and how God entered into the brokenness and dysfunction in the person of Jesus Christ, I think you will find more of an audience than you think you might get otherwise. C.S. Lewis, great quote, he said this, he said, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf word. Maybe you're saying, I don't hear the voice of God, or I think God has forgotten me. 
it might well be, as Lewis said, no, actually God is shouting to you. Turn your ear to him. Listen to what he has to say. You say, okay, I get that for the future. I get how he's preparing me for the future, but it's so important, Pastor Jim, you gotta see this, that I live in the here and now, and I have all kinds of problems. We met a lady yesterday at the wedding we were at, and, and she said to Pam and I, she said, you know, I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore. And we said, why? And she said, because I looked at all the people there And she said, all their lives were so perfect and my life is such a hot mess. And Pam and I started to laugh. We were like, if you only knew what we knew about church people. (laughs) If only you knew what we know about ourselves, right? I don't know how many people would come, but maybe we should start calling ourselves the first church of hot mess, right? Maybe, Maybe more people would come. So today, we got to live in today, right? Verse 14 says, If you are reproached, some versions say, if you're insulted, if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, look at this, blessed are you. When your friends and family members and coworkers make fun of you because you're trying to follow Jesus, that, that hurts, but he says, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It's the same thing Jesus said about himself when he started preaching in his hometown. He's quoting Isaiah. You think, well, what happened for Jesus when he said it? They wanted to throw him off the cliff. He says on their part, he is blasphemed. They're making fun of you, but, but that's blaspheming God. But on your part, he's glorified. So he's telling us here, there's a special grace, there's a special empowering of the Holy Spirit upon the faithful Christian who is ridiculed for their faith. Now, let me give you some advice. Don't go out looking for it, but if you're trying to live as a follower of Jesus, don't worry, it will find you. Don't go out and look for it, but don't be surprised when it finds you. Now, for us, losing face is just not good, is it? But we try to be like, you know, ah, he's going to blow it off, not, so, not worry about it so much. But in the ancient world, few things were worse than losing face in public. That's a big part of when Jesus is crucified and the people are going by and they're wagging their heads and they're wagging their fingers at him and they're, they're insulting him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. That's a big part of it. He couldn't have saved others if he saved himself. Did you know that? Did you know that? And so in the ancient world, few things were worse than losing face. And Peter says here, you're not losing face because things are not what they seem. He says, you might be insulted for your faith, but know this, you are blessed by God. So the people who are making fun of you are actually blaspheming God, but as they're making fun of you, the smile of God is upon you. You don't see it. But Peter is pointing us to an unseen reality. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 11 and 12, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What's he saying? You are in good company. 
You say, I just tried to tell somebody about Jesus. I tried to live the Christian life. Why do people hate me for that? Well, Jesus told us, John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And I love what he says here. He says, the Holy Spirit rests upon you. It's not like the Holy Spirit comes and goes and like, sorry, you had five minutes to get it together, but you didn't, I'm out of here. No, Peter's telling us that trials are an opportunity to experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And I think Peter would say, who's learned it better than me? Because I denied the Lord. And then you read the book of Acts, he becomes the founder of the early church. This promise means that a follower of Jesus will be protected and watched over, strengthened for the battle by the Holy Spirit himself. And this is an amazing claim because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit coming upon people was reserved for the elders and the leaders and the prophets and the Bible writers and special people. And then we were told there would be this mystical figure, this Messiah who would come, who we would be on him in a special way. And now we're told he will actually come on you. He will actually come on me. Well, verse 15 reminds us of something that we've said before about self-inflicted trials and suffering. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer. And you're like, I don't do any of those things. Or as a busybody, oops. <laughs> Some versions say meddler in other people's matters. Don't be annoying. Sometimes you gotta mind your own business. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian so that something different, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Now again, I love the realism of the Bible writers. He says not all suffering is going to qualify for the blessing that we have been speaking about. So maybe some of you got here a little late. You were going a little too fast and the policeman decided he wanted to fellowship with you. <laughs> and you thought, you know, I'm listening to this. I'm listening to the church's radio station, man. Right? <laughs> I'm going to church. And the policeman's like, well, you should leave earlier, dude. Uh, so... So you think that you're exempt from that because you're coming to church. Peter says, no, no, that's not true. We can't say all of our suffering is because we're following Jesus. Sometimes it's consequences or the discipline of God. And these sins here are not the only ones listed. So don't be like, well, you know, a lot of people always say, well, I know I'm going to heaven because I never killed anybody. Like, oh, great, like, well, I'm not Hitler. Well, like, who was? <laughs> really? And Jesus, of course, says, well, if you've ever thought evil of anybody in your heart, you've murdered them. That kind of levels the playing field, gets the room a little quiet for a second, right? And so he's using these sins. Why? A lot of times the Bible writers use absurd sins to catch our attention. Could be what they were saying to people about Christians. Maybe they were lies. Did you ever have somebody, like, they tell you something about a problem in their life? They, they, they come, you know, they're coming and you tell them what Jesus says and all of a sudden you're like, you're a busybody. Just get out of my face. You're like, you asked me. And all of a sudden you're just get out of my face with this crazy religion Jesus stuff here. But also he's telling us these things to get us to take a good hard look at our lives, the way we live. And maybe the way we live is actually getting us into some of the trouble that we find ourselves getting into. Now, before you turn me off, before you 
get discouraged. God pointing out your sin and my sin in the Bible should not discourage you, but it should encourage you because God is inviting you to a deeper relationship with Him and there's something that needs to be work on in our lives in order for that to happen. Now sometimes people say, it's, I don't read the Bible because it seems like there's sin on every page, but there's also redemption on every page. I don't read this stuff in the Bible because I don't like being told that I'm a sinner. But do you know why that stuff is in the Bible on every page? Because the believers in the Bible were not perfect. Did you hear that? Followers of Jesus, despite the fact what your friends might say, are not sinless, but we do certainly start to sin less. But we still need the Word of God. We still need the Holy Spirit to show us the right path. We still need the Word of God. We still need the Holy Spirit to help us to grow. We still need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to confront us with the truth. And I think more than anything else, I think we need to be confronted with our sin so we see how much Jesus loves us. So when we look at the cross, we think that should have been me. Not him. That should have been me. And that actually grows our love for Jesus if you're willing to get out of yourself and you're willing to turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'm going to use a Bible word that Peter just used to tell you how much I want you to get this. Beloved. Loved of God. When we turn away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we turn away from grace. When we turn away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we turn away from God's power. You say, I don't believe that. I think I can prove it to you. You became a Christian how? And if you're not a Christian, please listen because this is how it happens. You became a Christian when the conviction of your sin met the love and grace of a holy God. That's how it happened. What did you do? You turned to him. You confessed your sin. You put your trust in Jesus instead of yourself. And when you read the Bible, you must realize that process never ends. We continually see our sin, see our perfect Savior, see Him trying to make us more like Him. We turn to God, we confess our sin, and we say to Him, I'm trusting you to help me with this sin. I'm trusting you to help me be more like you, Jesus. In our Wednesday night Bible study, we've been going through the book of 2 Chronicles and we're seeing this incredible demonstration which would point us to the cross that the knowledge of sin and the offer of the forgiveness of sin through the blood sacrifices at the temple produces joy and change in the people of God. They are forgiven. They don't hang their heads low. They sing loudly. 
And then they go out and what do they do? They start ripping down all the false idol worship in the land in their lives because they want the true worship of God. Friends, anything less is a ripoff. Anything less is a distortion of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and in sending his Holy Spirit to help you. And, you know, I take a day like yesterday when I get the opportunity to talk to people, and it doesn't have to be with, with being a pastor, I just would love to talk to people about the Lord. And I find myself continually apologizing to people. And here's the thing, here's the thing. We will never make a difference in this corner of New Jersey if we're waiting on a select few to have these conversations with people. It's gonna take an army of people who are more afraid of saying nothing than saying the wrong thing. Who are telling people about the truth of the gospel. I find myself apologizing for so much false teaching that people have learned. People are like, well, you know, I'm so tired of those holier than now people. I'm like, I'm sorry, so am I. Because they're not holier than thou, trust me. I'm so tired of, of having to explain to people that when people say, well, you know, they told me that if I have enough faith, I'll get whatever I want. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not true. That's not true. They're like, really? I'm like, do you think Jesus had faith? Well, yes, he got killed. He got killed. I'm so sorry to have to apologize to people who've sat under this greasy grace meddler, live however you want people. They went out and they lived however they want and the whole world fell apart. The whole world fell apart. And I'm so sorry that there's so much of that out there. But for you, beloved, don't be ripped off by it. Don't buy it. Peter says here, if you presented Jesus Christ with your life, with your lips, if you presented him as both a loving savior and a righteous judge and you suffered for it, you can know this. Heaven is smiling at you. Heaven is jacked up for you, man. They love you up there. In fact, he says, if you suffer as a Christian, very rare usage of that word in the New Testament. Very rare. You know why? Do you like being called a Bible thumper? You like being called one of those weird Jesus people? That's what the term Christian was. The term Christian was a very derogatory, very negative, very insulting thing to be called. It simply meant that you were a follower of Jesus. We talk about the cross, right? We wear crosses around our neck. Would you think it's appropriate to go to a party and talk about the gas chamber or the electric chair? That's how inappropriate it was to talk about the cross back then. It was the biggest disgrace ever. And these people were telling people about the disgrace of the cross and the wonder of Jesus Christ. And people were like, oh, those Christians. And Peter says, listen, they are insulting you, but don't you be ashamed. Don't you be ashamed. Because as they insult you, heaven applauds you. Now, one quick thing, and we have to move on. I know this is really hard for some of you that are people pleasers. I know it's really hard. But remember this. When you stay close to Jesus, 
when you stand up for him, you glorify God. Heaven is like, oh man, that's a work of grace in someone's life. Verse 17 seems really odd in the context of trials here. He says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website, changedbyloveradio.com? That's changedbyloveradio.com. Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of 1 Peter with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.